Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturate, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And today I have our friend Libby Westcombe back on the podcast for the fifth time. So welcome back, Libby. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We actually just recorded half an hour of a fucking podcast and didn't <laughs> realize that I didn't hit record on the Zoom. So I'm so used to hitting record on all the bloody cameras. I'm so sorry, Libby. So this is round two. Welcome back. Libby's done, I think, the initial, we've done a group one together. We've done one with the Strong Sisters. She's done one with Craig. And then her and I have done one just on recovery, cardio, HRV. So go back and listen to those ones. I'll pop all Libby's details below anyway so you can follow her on um, Instagram. But I wanted to get her back on today just to specifically talk about cardio because I think um, a lot of women are really confused about cardio. You know, a lot of women do too much. Women don't do enough. They don't really understand, you know, the different zones and, you know, what's beneficial, how much is beneficial. So I just thought, yeah, it's one of the things that Libby's super passionate about and I've been incorporating a zone two cardio session in my training program for quite a while now and uh, it's been awesome. And Libby really got me into, um, what do you call it, breath work which was, has been really good too. So I just do that before bed. And, yeah, the Zone 2 recovery sessions really helped with my soreness from training because I really, like, push myself hard and I'm often very quite sore. And so <laughs> it really helps me so that I can just recover and push hard again. So welcome back, Libby. Sorry that we you. you spoke yeah. half an hour and it wasn't recorded. <laughs> it's all right. Practice run. <laughs> oh, okay. So can you please talk about first, what are the different zones of cardio and like, how do you measure it in terms of like the heart rate? Yeah, for sure. So we, there's technically five zones um, and there's, you know, zone one, which is your walking, your general activity, general movement. Zone two is the zone that everyone's talking about these days because it's like super popular now. And that's kind of where you're starting to exert yourself a little bit, but it's still very um, low recovery cost. So you're getting all the aerobic benefits and the benefits that you do get health wise from cardio, but it's keeping the recovery really low. So it's kind of this bit of a magic zone where you can do it and you can still do your training, your weightlifting, have your day to day stress and not really add stress to your life. That's why I like it. And that's why I've been talking about it for so long. Um, then you get your zone three, which is the best way for me to explain zone three is that you still do get the cardiovascular anaerobic benefits, but you get it with added stress. So you don't get any more necessarily cardiovascular benefits than you do with the zone two. It's more or less the same amount of cardiovascular fitness and benefits, but you get some added stress to it as well. So that's kind of the best, easiest way for me to explain it to people who are like, why can't I do zone three? Um, it's not like you can't. It's just that you're going to have to, there's more of a recovery cost. And if, as we know, everything in life has a recovery cost and recovery is not just a free process, you know? So if you want to be smart with your training, I would kind of stick more to that zone two, do some solid weight training, and then you can sort of experiment with those higher zones for that power and explosiveness and agility and all that as well. And would you say, Libby, because I was going to say, when we did the initial podcast, you know, like prior to meeting Craig and actually learning how to strength train properly, you know, I would just get up in the morning, drink the black coffee, then I'd hit the gym and I'd do like an hour of probably zone yeah. three cardio. Yeah. Most yeah. women, yeah. 
in your yeah, would you say in that your case of doing zone three so having come from a crossfit coaching background that's um it was very obvious to me that women weren't they weren't generating much power to be in that zone four and five but they were kind of just hanging out in that zone three place because it's where the endorphins kind of come in you feel good you get the sweat on and i don't i'm not going to say it doesn't feel good i admit that it does feel good like i'll still do because i'm kind of more an advanced athlete now so i'll still do some tempo runs which is puts me in that zone three sometimes to get me faster with like my you know whatever I'm working on and it's nice like it's like wow I really worked hard I feel so good but that's kind of where the trap is because if you stay there too if you do it too much and you stay there you're sacrificing a lot of things that you you know recovery you're sacrificing a little bit of what your body and your energy could put towards building muscle as well so you don't want to hang out too much in that zone although I don't want to like demonize it as the bad zone still you can use it sometimes but yeah you know you don't want to be constantly there which I do see a lot of women I think um, too, like a lot of women I'm not saying this is everyone but a lot of women that we work with we get a woman who never really strength trained before like me they're doing a heap of like these hit classes and boot camps and running heaps so they have this really low amount of muscle yeah. um and so you know I think and they think too that like doing these hip, they're like, I'm doing the, the, the pump classes and yeah. they think that they're going to build muscle doing the pump classes. Yeah. Maybe just quickly yeah. touch on that. Why? That's so a pump, a, pump class, a pump class itself is even different. It's not even like a zone because it's not cardio. It's more just what I call junk training. Mm. So, you know, we, we've talked about this so many times on podcasts, you have to you, you lift with like mechanical tension and progressive overload in order to build muscle. And if you're just doing like hundreds of weights, that's not really going to be happening. You're going to be tiring and having to put the weight down, but from muscular, you know, endurance getting tired or like your heart rate's getting tired. So therefore you put it not from the actual genuine mechanical tension. So yeah, that's, and then on top of that, so they'll do that and then they'll do their 5k runs where they're hanging in that zone three. And so it's almost like you have it completely upside down. So I tend to tell women, you know, let's honestly be really honest about where your main deficiencies are. Like you, you know, I'll look at a photo of them. I'll put the photo up. I'll like, you're quite under muscled. So, you know, we do want to do, I still believe that everyone should do some cardio because for health purposes, but I would be like, let's do the zone two. Let's really focus on the zone two once or twice a week. And let's focus on building muscle. Um, because that's obviously more of a deficiency. But then I have also had women come in who to work with me or in my membership, there's a lot because a lot of my members are really into strength training. <laughs> like they must just get it from me or something. I don't know. But they're like always just strength training, strength training. And then you can see sometimes there's issues with like injuries or, you know, they said they're starting to feel kind of slow in life or whatever. And, you know, cause strength training doesn't particularly make you fast or build that agility, which is all part of being healthy as well. So in their cases, I'd be like, maybe we should add in some hit sessions, you know, do a little zone two as well. Let's make it a little more balanced um, because it's not going to really take away. If anything, it actually helps muscle building when you do it in the right balance. So I would say check, like, look, really be honest about what your deficiencies are. If you, if you don't have any muscle and you struggle to build muscle, then what you're doing isn't working. So it's time to change, right? Yeah. And I think too, you know, like we talked about this before is just starting and building the foundations and, you know, like, let's say you've never trained before and you're really shit at tracking your food and you just starting yeah, from scratch. It's like start just, with walking. Yeah, start get into the habits, build the muscle. Yeah. And then yeah. it's quite like for me, for example, it was easy to go, I'm just going to add in this zone two cardio session because I'm already doing everything else. Yeah, you know, and it's exactly. really helped me. So I, th- I really like that we say about looking at where you're at now and what your goal is, where your deficiencies yeah. are, and then yeah. 
start there and then build on that. And then I think once you get into those habits, it's not that hard to add one more thing in. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's also, like you said, just the, just the habit of exercising itself means once you have that habit, you can take it anywhere. Do you know what I mean? But we've got to build that habit of consistently exercising first. So start yeah. with what's manageable, start with what fits into your lifestyle. And yeah. then, like we said, you can expand. Yeah, because I think too, like, you know, sometimes I think women can listen to my podcast about, oh, my God, there's so many things that I have to do. It's too overwhelming. Like I can't, how do I eat the elephant? You know, it's like, we'll just start with one bite, right? Like so maybe eat your breakfast first and that of the carrot salad and then hit your protein target and then start tracking your food, whatever, you know, then add one training session in. And if you just gradually build up and then you get to the point where, okay, cool, I'm going to do some hit, hit or like do the sprinting or whatever else. So don't think, oh, my God, I have to do everything at once because you don't. Um, so, okay, cool. So those are the different zones. So like, talk about the heart rate, like, how do you work out? So we're always going to start with your maximum heart rate, which the basic formula that everyone knows about is 220 minus your age. So that's kind of like where you would just start right now. It's not exactly accurate. So there's, there's a few different formulas you can use. You can Google them. There's like a few different ones, kind of like the, um, finding your maintenance calories or your BMR. There's different formulas. It's kind of similar to that. Everyone's slight, slightly different as well. Um, but 220 minus your age is a good starting point, except for women, especially if someone's active already, I usually say to add five heartbeats onto that um just because we also tend to have a slightly resting higher resting heart rate than men so that's pretty much across the board you're going to be a little bit different than a, um, a guy who does 220 minus his age um and then from there your zones are basically a percentage based off that so you know your zone one would be just you're walking in that that's between 50 to 60 percent of your maximum heart rates your zone two would be i like to think of zone two more like 65 to 75 percent for most people Zone three is that pushing towards 80, 85% of your maximum heart rate. And then zone four and five, I don't stress too much about, you know, exactly the difference between those because it's once you're hitting that top end where you're going all out, you don't really have to worry too much about your heart rate because you can only really maintain it for like 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Um, Zone four, you would be able to maintain for maximum probably two minutes. It's very, very anaerobic. Um, and then zone five is also still anaerobic, but it's also including that, um, you know, phosphate ATP energy system, which is that power and all that as well. So it's kind of that crossover there. So if you're wanting to do like a real sprint, don't worry too much about your heart rate. Just try and go as hard as you possibly can. And then you'll be fine. So like sprint hundred meters or something. Yeah. hundred meters. Um, once you're doing like 200 meters, it's definitely a little bit more anaerobic. So you're going into that zone four, a little bit of zone three, probably. So it's that, you know, for most women who are starting, I would start with 15, even 10 seconds, 10 seconds to 20 seconds max all out. So if you're using something like an air diner, an air bike, where you can actually generate quite a lot of power, that's helpful because some things you can't generate as much power as a woman. So therefore you want to pick something like if you're a pretty good runner and you have good biomechanics with running, you could do something like a sprint. Um, If you are really shit with running and you have poor biomechanics, I would say probably don't because you might injure yourself or slowly work up to it. But something like a air bike or even a um, rowers can be good, but sometimes it takes a lot more upper body strength. So something like an air bike and um, with the handles like yeah that's probably my favorite even something like so you know how gyms have like sleds where you push the sled Mm. that can be really really good but just make sure that you don't use too much weight Mm -hmm. it needs to be lightweight so i say no more than 15 percent of your body weight Mm -hmm. on it so okay we'll come back to talk about the hit 
the sprints, but I just want to go back to the zone too. So roughly what I know you say don't get so, you know, fixated on the yeah. range, but roughly what ranges would that be for that heart rate? For most people I've seen it sit between 120 and 150. That's okay. a big range, I know, but if someone is really unfit, yep. they'll probably hit zone two in 120, 125. If someone's a little more active and, you know, generally fitter, they can probably continue on the nasal breathing at, you know, one. I like 140 is pretty good yeah. for yep. most like most women I coach, I wouldn't say necessarily like someone who's a complete beginner, they probably need to be lower. Mm. And how do you measure it? What do you think is the best way to measure it? Um, so you can use a, obviously a strap like this one. So she's holding up the collar, if you're listening Polar to the collar. Polar H10 strap. Yeah. Um, and so that just goes use- around your, under your boobs, right? Yeah, so right underneath, your, um, like if you're wearing a sports bra, it would be directly under the sports bra. Um, and you could use a, an app called Polar 10, the app, the Polar app, or you could use it with a watch. And the reason why this one's good is because it syncs with most um, watches and wearables. Um, or you could just do what I call the nasal test where, you know, you need to be able to continue to breathe in through your nose and out through your nose. If you start breathing out through your mouth and you can still breathe in through your nose, that's where we're pushing that um, threshold, which is where it's not bad yet. It hasn't gone completely into anaerobic because anaerobic is generally just like all mouth breathing, but it's getting close to there. So that's where you kind of sometimes want to pull yourself back. If you're trying to stay in that zone too, you should be able to nasal breathe completely, have a conversation with someone. And a really, really cool way of testing it is what I call the 12 word sentence. So you should be able to say it out loud pick any sentence that you can say, like count that it's 12 words and you should be able to say it without taking a breath in between the words. So, you know, sometimes even when you're walking and maybe you're doing like a, a, a live, an Instagram live and you're walking or stories, you that's probably zone two because you're kind of, a, your heart rate's a bit higher than it would just be if you're normally walking because you're having to talk as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're probably able to say like a good 12 words, a good 15 words before needing to take a breath. But it's not just like what we are now where we can just talk and talk and talk. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a good gauge. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to try that um, next time. And so uh, like duration and frequency, what's optimal? Yeah. How do you start? So I would say starting with 20 minutes um, is a good starting point for even a beginner. If you start, if you're trying to do like a 10 minute zone two cardio session, it's almost not enough time for you to fully get into the zone two where we're getting those adaptations that zone two does, which is where we're actually like lengthening or increasing the size of the left ventricle of our heart. So it's increasing that so that we're able to pump more blood and more oxygen throughout our body. So you need to start obviously with minimum of 20 minutes to actually be getting those adaptations because it's, you know, it's the longer energy system. It's the energy source that we basically use day to day living. So it's supposed to be a bit longer. Um, And then you want to kind of aim towards the top end of 60 minutes. I don't personally go past 60 minutes. Um, And I did read some research that shows that once you get to that point where it's like, you know, 90 minutes, where it's um, one and a half hours, you actually start to have a little bit more what they call waste products, which then requires more for your body to recover from a little bit more inflammation starts to set in these things that come on when you're doing more of like that zone three stuff. Even if you're still in the zone two, there's like that limit for where, you know, your body's, I guess you probably run out of some of the fuel sources. And so you, you know, you start to take from other things you might, you know, if you don't have enough food in your body you might start to pull from your muscles for fuel and you don't want any of that to happen so yeah keep it in that so start with 20 minutes 
Yeah, if you're a complete beginner, just start with 20 minutes. Yeah, and then slowly build up. So I would progressive overload it, of course, and just do like an extra five minutes every couple of weeks until you get to like that 16 minute mark. And then you can kind of hold it there. You can also change things up. Once you get there, you can change things up a little bit and choose choose like a different machine or a different piece of equipment or... Mm, I really like just 45. I feel like 45 minutes is just, this is for me personally and just yeah. time frame as well. And you feel it's good. Really and, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really good. And then so you could then add a second session in after that. Yeah, I so would, rather than increasing the time on the one session, I would always yeah. say add a second session. Yeah, and you're right. It doesn't, you know, you don't feel taxed from it. It's quite no. nice, you know, and like we were talking about before, you're sweating, which is one of the ways that you detoxify, which I feel yeah. like feels really good. when you sweat. yeah. Mm, mm. okay cool I'm just trying to think if there's any other questions uh okay cool all right so let's talk about um the hit and true hit because I remember we talked last time and I was like oh, I was doing a, it's not real hit training kitty you just sounds like sitting in that zone yeah. floor you know yeah. so talk about what that looks like yeah so real true hit is not something that you can maintain past you know 30 seconds mm. um and if you do it just means that you're um basically sacrificing on power so that's another reason why that zone three is kind of not something I would encourage often is because you're not getting any of those power and agility and speed and those adaptations that you get from the higher zones you're still getting the aerobic adaptations but you're not getting those higher zone adaptations so you're just getting a little bit more stress with the aerobic adaptations but if you want those other adaptations you'll need to be in that true state of pushing to maximum capacity and that's when you get those adaptations of speed and power and being really quick so like when we're getting older it helps us you know if we're when you're turning like in your 60s and 70s if you have that base of speed and power you're going to be so much better off than someone who doesn't because they like if you fall you need to catch yourself or anything so that's obviously what you get in those higher zones. So you do get some stress and some recovery um, cost with the higher zones as well, but you get benefits out of it. So it's like, I'm always telling people, well, you want the benefit out of what you're doing. Mm. So tell me what you're doing and why you're doing it. Like, I'll bring them back to that. If you can't tell me why you're doing something, then let's get rid of it. Like, if there's no reason, do you know what I mean? So benefits from that, benefits from zone two. Zone three, not always benefits unless you're needing it for like a race or you're an endurance athlete. Which most of the women that listen to this podcast are not. Yeah. No. <laughs> there. Um, so, okay, talk about like if what would a session look like then? How, how would you do it? So for a hit session, it's sh- it's short. That's the best part about it as well. That's why it's, it's so much easier than the zone two is you could do like 15 minutes and it's finished because I would start with probably just five all-out sprints. four even four to five and then I would build from there and get to like 10 but you want to make sure one thing that I have a bit of an issue with which um so if you know about Dr. Stacey Sim she's really great in like um promoting the power and the speed training for women like perimenopause and menopause and that but one thing she says because she gets it from one particular study is that she says that the intervals or the speed sprints should be like 10 seconds and then only 20 seconds recovery or 20 seconds and only 10 seconds recovery. And I know where she's coming from because there is one particular study. But the thing is, I don't see that as as a good idea, because if you're not recovering properly between your intervals, you're not going to be able to generate the power and the speed anymore. So Mm -hmm. you're just going to get slower. So then it's 
you know, it's kind of takes away from the whole idea of power training. And I do come from like a sprinting background. So I do know about it. Like I know that I have to recover fully or my time drops completely. Would you like say maybe it's similar to like lifting, right? Like women not lifting. Yeah, they don't rest enough. Yeah. yeah. You don't, can't perform, like get the best performance yeah. in the next set. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And you're, um, there's, you know, in order to perform, you need, I like to say at least a one to three ratio mm-hmm. of um, sprint to rest. So that could be, you know, one minute. If yep. say, let's say you're doing a whole minute of sprinting, which you probably shouldn't, then it would be three minutes of rest. Yeah. Okay. So if you're like just sprinting a hundred meters and it takes you, I don't know, 20 seconds, yeah, then let's say rest for a minute. The minimum. Yeah. yeah minimum, minimum. So does it, would it really matter if you rested for two minutes and then went again? I rest for sometimes three minutes between, between my top, top end sprints, but I do go fast. I'm generating a lot of speed. So if you're not quite fast yet and you're kind of like feel, if it feels a little awkward and you're still not able to, that's completely normal. Cause that's what it's like when you start, but still try to rest at least that four minute, even up to a minute and a half. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It wouldn't matter if you rested a bit more. It's not going to matter. No, no. Well, it's not about, so the point is about generating that speed quickly for that one interval. It's not about trying to keep your heart rate up for the whole session. And would you say like, cause I'm just thinking about some women that join our program, they're like very overweight under mm-hmm. muscle. Would you say, look, start with strength training, doing some mm-hmm. walking, get into the good habit, build yeah. some strength and then add this, like do the zone two. Cause that's what you can imagine yeah. if you're like 90 kilos trying to sprint and you know, well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't sprint like running if they were like that, but, but I do think it's beneficial to do a little bit of the sprinting. Like if they could jump on a bike and go as hard as they can, because there's also some research that shows that, you know, obviously you have to be in a calorie deficit to lose fat at all, but um, the high intensity sprinting actually helps burn the deep fat around your stomach. So that visceral fat. And, um, when it's like a postmenopausal or a menopausal or even perimenopausal, they tend to sort of have a difference in where they store their fats mm-hmm. and they tend to store it a bit more around their belly. And there's quite a lot of research that actually shows it really helps, you know, obviously we can't spot reduce, but it does have some, there's some powerful uh, mechanisms going on from the high intensity sprint training that actually helps that burn the fat around the belly. And it, they say that it's from, so obviously when we're younger, we have a lot more natural growth hormone circulating in our body after we train. And we lose that as we get older to the point where we basically don't have much at all natural growth hormone, like a teenager would have so much. Um, and what the high intensity intervals do is it actually creates more of that hormone circulating around your body after you finish um so, so you, there's that benefit you, as well so could you then say let's get on a stationary bike yeah just start yeah, or even the like trainer and just go all out okay. like it's not gonna be like it, you don't have to compare about like how fast you're going because it's literally just how hard can you go at that given point in your life yeah and so you might do like do it for 20 seconds and then rest and, and just then rest the yeah, of seconds i think that's actually yeah. really healthy for even someone who's overweight yeah and this is a question I was thinking about. Can you do it? Like, let's say you really like a time poor, like, could you do your strength training session and then do it at the end? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's some, that's kind of how I would recommend doing it. If you only can do say three days a week, you mm. could do one extra day with a hit session, or you could just tag it onto the end of a current weight training session. Um, it's always better not to do zone two or hit before you train, mm. but it's definitely fine to do it right after you finish training and just do it as a finisher. Yeah, cool. So if you if you can't like take the extra time and you want to add it in, yeah. do it at the end. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to think what other questions that people would ask. 
Um, oh, can you talk about the health benefits of the zone too and how it actually helps you recover from training? Like why does it help you reduce the soreness? Yeah. Um, so it actually works through mainly like the blood flow that it generates. Um, and it does help with recovery, but the reason why I actually say it can benefit muscle building and muscle hypertrophy, and that's through the increased blood flow. Um, and some research actually shows this. So there was one particular study where they had a group of people cycle on one leg. So they just did one leg cycle zone two, um, while the other leg remained inactive, but they were doing resistance training as well for 10 weeks. And then the results showed that there was superior muscle growth in the cycled leg, primarily due to an increase in capillary density. So capillaries are like small, tiny blood vessels that deliver oxygen, nutrients, hormones, and more to your muscles. And they actually appear to play a significant role in muscle growth and also recovery. So if you have increased capillary density, that correlates also with the activation and expansion of satellite cells in your muscles. And those are involved in muscle recovery and then also hypertrophy. So that's kind of the, the magic zone because with just like movement and walking, you obviously do get some blood flow, but this particular benefit from cardio, which is where we're actually increasing the capillary density mm. in um, the muscles, that's what really benefits. It does benefit hypertrophy as well. And I think for someone who's more advanced in lifting, it will benefit them even more. Mm. Um, and there's a, there's a guy named Greg Knuckles and he has a website called Stronger by Science, and he's an ex-power lifter. And he has a research review paper that I also like subscribe to. And he proposes that as your muscles grow, they actually might require a corresponding increase in capillary density for further growth. So to take it to that next level and recovery. And also he talks about recovery. So recovery from weightlifting, which is it's actually very aerobically demanding, which people don't realize because the weightlifting itself is more anaerobic. But even anaerobic activities, like take a 200 meter sprint, they, it's very heavy anaerobic, but it does heavily re rely also on the aerobic system. So it's using a bit of both. So if you're enhancing capillary density through cardio, it mm. can help optimize performance and recovery and strength training. And it can also promote um, greater muscle hypertrophy. So greater muscle growth because it's optimizing that. So it's basically, if you think about muscle growth, it means how well can you recover? you can recover really well, you'll grow more muscle, right? So it's also part of training and making sure you're training hard enough, but it's 50% is the recovery, right? Cause you can't recover properly. You're going to have problems, right? So that's where, um, that cardio and that zone two comes in from the recovery benefits and then for the actual muscle building benefits as well. Mm, I feel like too, like, you know, anyone who's advanced, like Craig and I talk about this all the time, like now when you're lifting like heavy weights, like we are, like you are too, yeah. Like how much can you do that you can recover yeah. from to make progress? And I feel like the stronger that I am, like now, like it's, it's, this is even gets more important because it's so, you know, like, so much more important. That's yeah. where I think those one and two percentage things come into play, you know, things like, you know, your pre and post workout nutrition. And this is just yeah. another one of those things that really does help. Obviously I would say this all, obviously I'm talking to someone who is athletic, who's yeah. actually eating enough food not someone who has like exercise disorders do you know what I mean so yeah, yeah, totally. people that will take and be like oh she said to do cardio oh. to build muscle but that's yeah. not what I'm saying at all it's more for the person who really does want to you know have that can... overall good recovery yeah and I think too it's like we talk about this all the time um, like the basics like 
nail all the bases, you know, like it's, and then you can go, okay, what are these extra things that I can do that's going to take me the extra 5% or whatever it is, um, but focus on the foundation, because we all do the foundation stuff. We, you know, and I uh, just maybe touch on this as well. Like, I know this podcast isn't about this, but I feel like, like when I talk to women, like a lot of the, where they go wrong is they're not tracking their food accurately. So like, you know, if you're trying to build muscle, like if you're advanced like us, you've got to eat in a calorie surplus. So what's going to affect that is how much activity you're doing. So that's why we're tracking all of these data points because, you know, a lot of women that probably you work with, they're just under eating. Like yeah. you want to build muscle, you, you need to make it enough. That's like yeah. the number one. Yeah. yeah. So this is why the food tracking is just so critical, I think, because if you're doing all this training, you're doing your zone two, but if you're not fucking eating enough, you're not going to make yeah. any progress. Make a difference. Yeah. It needs the it needs the raw fuel to actually build the muscle. It needs to get mm. it from somewhere. So just make mm. it. Mm. Yeah. And it's really like, I just think it's fascinating. Like in my, you know, like you'd experiment on yourself. Mm. We talk about this too. Like, you know, and you've talked about this and Craig's talked about this. Like having more muscle does increase your metabolic resting mother rate, but it's not as much as you think that it is. Like it's people go, oh, I have more muscle. I'm going to just be able to eat a fuck ton more food. But what I, and look, correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm, this is, I don't, this is just what I've noticed from my own self. It's like, it's that recovery process from the training. That's really, so when I, you know, I've gone through periods where I've been a bit shit with my training and like, you know, and then now I'm focused again and training. I'm like, fuck, I really can eat quite a lot of food. And when I push hard in the gym, I'm like, oh, the next time I'm so hungry. You know, just don't, yeah. It's just something that yeah. I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, it's it, like I talked about it, I think with Amy one time on her podcast about the three buckets and we only ever think about the bucket of, you know, oh, we need all this extra, we need enough food for like our internal processes, like our, you know, what, yeah. what happens. Yeah, and all that yeah, shit. your hair yeah. thoughts and your reproductive system and all that. And then people are like, but I need to eat enough for my training. But then they never think about that third bucket, which is the recovery bucket. So yeah. you can, you know, you can use too much energy for training that you don't have enough left for recovery if you're not eating enough. So it's super important to get all that right as well as the foundation. Yeah. And you just don't know. And like, everyone's so different, right? So yeah, like different people track it to know how much. Yeah. And there's signs if you're not, if you're not getting enough food, you know, you start having like no energy, you get injured easily, you get sick. These things yeah. are really big. Like, yeah, yeah, I find those things are more um, indicative of not having enough energy across the board for like your training and you're kind of suffering and the recovery suffering. Whereas if it's other things like you're losing your period and that, then obviously there's a bigger issue there. But if, if it's these things like you keep getting sick, you know, you keep getting injured, yeah. You know, maybe it is your movement, but it's something to look at is are you actually giving yourself enough food to recover from what you're doing in training? Yeah, and I feel like too, and this is just, again, I don't know what the right word for this is, but just what, something I've noticed from clients. So the ones that really apply themselves and learn how to lift and push hard, you know, close to failure or to failure, like these are the new women, not they can eat more food and still recomp their body. So like yeah. compared to someone who, this is just an example. Like there was two ladies in our program. They both started at like 94 kilos, similar height, doing similar amount of steps. One lady just for whatever reason couldn't do as much training. She had heaps of injuries and stuff, but she still lost weight because she was eating calorie deficit. But they both got down to the same weight, mm-hmm. but a lot different. So the one that was had focused That's on the training, she muscle. looks more tone, more muscle, and her calorie, her maintenance calories were much higher. higher. Yeah. So it's like this amazing, and I think once you do it and you track everything and you're like, you'll just see. Yeah. Because 
there's a lot of people that do talk about how, you know, having more muscle doesn't actually burn more calories and it doesn't. So I think one pound of muscle only burns like 30 80 calories. calories. Yeah. I'm pretty I did post about this recently, but the whole thing that they take, they failed to take into consideration is just that whole entire, you know, what they call G flux. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is basically your calories out overall become more. So even the simple act of having more muscle means you're burning more calories during your session because yeah. The more muscle you have, the more calories you're burning. So when I'm lifting a weight, if I have more muscle, I'm squatting a weight, I'm burning more calories squatting that heavier weight than someone who has less muscle. So it's not just the particular muscle that you're burning throughout your day-to-day life, but it's everything that it influences by making you a better person, a more active person. You know, you're obviously going to be, when you're moving, you're probably going to be burning more calories. When you go for your walk, if you're a heavier person with more muscle, you're burning more calories. So it's not just the muscle itself. It's the, as I call it, it's the increase of G flux. So that everything increases. So it's part, it's part of that, you know? I think too, and again, this is just something I've noticed, but like, obviously you and I are quite strong. Amy's quite strong. I'm just talking about people that we know are now like little sphere of you know, what we do, but like when I'm, you know, focusing on my training, I've got more muscle, I can push heavier weights. Yeah. And so like, I find when I'm really focused on pushing and, you know, increasing my weights every week or have, have, you know, I'm just increasing them like that recover, like the heavier weights you're pushing more recovery, like that's burning more calories. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Like I still amazes me today how much food I can eat. Yeah. Like it just is is and I think all women they say I just want to be able to eat more food and you know you and I've talked about this too like we're in the position now where if we don't track we lose weight yeah it's just hard to keep up with it it needs the food yeah yeah so it's like if you can just put the work in and focus on like getting stronger and track your food for a while and be really diligent and consistent once you get to that maintenance stage it's maintenance is actually pretty easy yeah and it's nice it's quite it's quite um relaxing you know it is it is i'll say to craig today i was like you know the food like eating all the food i'm like oh fuck you know like it's just you're right it's either like dieting or even muscle yeah they're both stressful yeah but it's like get get there be focused and then you'll just the rest of your life of you know and you can then decide okay do i want to be a bit more focused for a while and you could dial it in or then you can go i'm just going to maintain for a while or whatever and yeah. I think it just becomes when you want to lose body fat, it's easy. It's yeah, very easy. Sure. Yeah. 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 Obviously, we're always trying to like get you guys to <laughs> focus on the basic. But it's life changing, I think. Like you would see it too in your program. The women, when they do it, they're like, they say to me, oh, I've got so much more freedom with food. Like it's the opposite. It's not, I feel restricted. Yeah. It's all, definitely the opposite. Um, someone just shared today, like she just, she just booked a call in with me because she messaged me and I was like, just book a call in, you know, and then she ended up working with us one-on-one and she's just like, I'm just so surprised at how liberating it feels now that I'm tracking. And it's this thing where people just find it so daunting before they start, but it's the same with training. It's like this huge cloud is over your head and it's just so daunting and the fear of like, it seems so, seems so intricate and complicated, but just take that first step because you'll realize your life will change. It's actually going to make sense. It's like, it makes sense tracking, right? Training properly makes sense. It's not one of these random, weird, fad things. So yeah, it's not that complicated. And it's once you learn it, obviously at the start, it'll be more challenging, but it's like a skill, yeah. right? You just got to practice. Learning for it. Yeah. 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 And it's just, you know, but I always say to him like, okay, what's more stressful? 
constantly every day waking up thinking, I don't know what to do. I have to jump on the next restrictive diet. I'm so exhausted and so tired. I hate my body. Hmm. Says, I'm just going to put that energy into going, I'm going to learn how to track. And I, yeah. I, Anna Hansel, one of our best transformations, she's like five weeks it took me. It was stress for five yeah. weeks and then it just clicked. Yeah. And yeah. I tell them now, like when I get on a call with someone, I'm like, so there is a learning curve and I want you to know that it's not going to be easy at first, but I'm just telling you that it will get better. It will get easier. It's just this learning curve and you just have to embrace it. Yeah. You know, it's what yeah. it is. And I think too, I don't know if you probably agree with this, like, because we know you haven't been a retard like me and done all of the crazy dumb diets, but you know, like all these diets work because they put you in a calorie deficit, like a big calorie, most of them big one. And I say to women, I'm like, once you do our program or say your program and you learn about energy balance and macros and you'll be like, I can't believe that I wasted so many of my life stressing about, you know, diets and cutting carbs and that it's actually pretty simple. And it just gives you so much knowledge and power and you, you know, like it's actually quite easy. I tell them you'll never fail a diet again. Yeah. Because all these diets, the reason why they have such low self-confidence and low self-trust is because they've tried all these things and they've just failed because they're not sustainable. So when you tell, when I tell them you're literally never going to fail a diet again, you're just going to have the knowledge for life. They're like, okay, that sounds good. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Anyway, we obviously can't harp on enough about this. <laughs> and you can eat delicious food and carbs and, you know, enjoy food. Like you you post lots of amazing recipes and, you know, every day I eat my food and think, oh, I love this. I love yeah. my ice cream. I love my potatoes. I love my whatever you love, you know. You can eat food you love every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's not about bloody misery. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's any other questions. Oh, with the hit. How frequently should you do it? Like what's ideal? Um, I would just do it once a week. It's yeah. it's pretty, it takes a lot. It's like hard and it takes some recovery. So yeah, I mean, you could do it twice a week, but I would just do it once a week. That's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also like, there's a big, there's a big trend towards plyometrics as well, which is also really good to do. I feel like it kind of falls under the umbrella of hits, but it's not the same, but it's more just that generating that agility and that speed and that quickness. And it's things like, you know, hopping and, you know, doing some like box jumps, um, broad jumps. You could do upper body plyometrics as well, like ball throws, ball slams, um, plyometric pushups, this type of thing. That's good to do. So what I tend to do to make sure that they're, that the girls in my um, program are getting like that well-balanced is I sometimes put the plyometric things in directly after the warm-up because it's actually good. It kind of warms up the fast twitch muscle fibers as well before we do the strength and it doesn't fatigue you because you'd only just do like five minutes worth of it. So you can pop that in as well because plyometrics are another thing that's, you know, thanks to Dr. Stacey Sims, it's been popularized as well for especially the older women. So if you do that, you do one hit session, you do a couple zone two, or even one zone two, and you do your strength training, I would say that you're going to be pretty balanced overall. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So just in summary, so zone two, start with one, start with 20 minutes, build up from there. And if you want to add another yeah. one in, add another one. But you can yeah. still get benefits from one a week. Yeah. And yeah. Then- Anything you can do is better than not doing it at all. Um, mm. I actually want to say as well, like there's big health benefits, which we don't, I don't see it often talked about in like the um, muscle building space because everyone loves muscle building and training, but there's actually, there's the studies show that the longevity benefits are more come more from the aerobic and the zone two than the strength training itself. Now, of course, strength training has amazing longevity benefits and everyone harps on about that a lot, but the cardio, especially aerobic training has really, really big aerobic um, longevity benefits as well. And they say that it's like five times um, 
increases your lifespan five times versus strength training that's like three times so it's like it's crazy difference in the studies um and then thing the thing that it comes down to is that it's anti-inflammatory so when you're doing that aerobic you're actually in an anti-inflammatory state because it's very parasympathetic so a lot of people tend to be stuck in the sympathetic go 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 and obviously strength training is quite sympathetic it's quite you know intense and so is hit so to bring that other side into the um, equation and you know it helps with that anti-inflammatory and a lot of these like chronic diseases are driven by inflammation in the body so it, there's the studies are showing that it's actually very anti-inflammatory which is why it helps with you know it helps you with like you know anything that your body might struggle with that's an inflammatory disease even things like um, autoimmune issues it, st- it shows that it helps all of this as well um, so I, yeah, I think it's important to touch on the longevity and the health, the actual health benefits of it is very healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know a lot of people like are talking about the studies about the strength training, but then if you look at all, if you look at all the meta analysis, like around exercise, mm-hmm. it's very even, it's quite even. It's actually like, there's even more that are pro aerobic training. And I feel like sometimes we cherry pick. Mm-hmm. So unless you're literally going to sit there and you're going to take all the studies and you're going to be like, what what's the most beneficial form of exercise people do cherry pick and they only want to put posts about their train their strength training ones which i get it like i love it and i think it's super important and women are very under muscled but there's also those ones too and mm-hmm. i look at them all like i look at all the research and i'm like okay so it's really important as well to do aerobic training and to do some of that cardio for heart health and for you know the longevity benefits and i like i would love to talk to someone who thinks that cardio is pointless and has all the research on strength training and I'd like to actually directly ask them what about this research because this is really really clear and Mm -hmm. I'd like to have a conversation about that and see what they come up with because unless they're cherry picking you can't really ignore it so I think there's that side as well because we love to always cite our studies and everything yeah yeah and I think I think like because I just talk about where I've come from and most women who join a program they just don't know the right types they don't understand the benefits, the zone, yeah. smashing themselves in the zone three, doing heaps of hit and, you know, classes and shit. And it's like, well, you know, like you say, what's your goal? Why are you doing something? You know, do yeah. you want to look better? Do you want to feel better? Okay, let's add some strength training. Fucking track your fucking training, track thing. Okay, let's add some, some beneficial cardio in. Let's yeah. not overdo it because more isn't always better, right? No. Like just yeah. find that good balance of what you can fit That's into life and, yeah. Yeah, and what you can enjoy because I think, I don't know. We always just go to extreme. Lots of people go, oh, I'm a very extremist. You know, like let's do everything and just, you know, I'm yeah. obviously much better now. Like I feel like maybe I can try the sprints. Just got to yeah. you know, probably fit it in on the weekend. I'm sure I can fit 15 minutes in because, um, you know, now I'm just doing three days a week and doing my recovery session, which really just fits in my schedule, schedule and life and it's really good and I really enjoy it. Um, but, you know, I did do pretty good in, you know, track and field and I can run. You know, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it a give it a give it a crack, and it's only 15 minutes. You're yeah. very you converted me to doing the zone too, so I'm sure I can do that as well, Libby. I'll report yeah. back. I'll see if I can add it in and then report back. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you think that you want to add? That maybe you can send me some of the links to these studies, and I'll yeah, put them in the show notes. People can read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll send yeah, perfect. Anything else you want to add that we haven't discussed? I think that's pretty good. Like it's just to be, you know, if you want to be well-rounded, then yeah, do like a good dose of the different things. Don't just ultra hyper fixate on one thing. Mm. 
Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Libby. Um, And as always, take a screenshot of the episode and share it on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-L-D. You can also tag Libby. I'll put her Instagram handle below. And then each month I pick a winner and they get a tub of saturated premium collagen valued at $79. And we'll be back again next week. Bye.